Okay, uh, so first of all, welcome. Uh, for those that don't know me, um, my name is Mandy. I am the mother of a 14-month-old. Um, her name is Ella, um, and I am a photographer that is based in Shanghai, uh, but I'm also studying to be a birth educator at the moment. Um, so, I, you know, I wanted to introduce myself a little bit um, and explain, I guess, the, the purpose of, of these talks. Um, I gave birth to my daughter 14 months ago. Um, I had a water birth that was completely unmedicated and without any medical intervention. Um, when, after I gave birth to my daughter, I realized how rare it was uh, for women to give birth without any medical intervention in, today, in today's society, not just in China, but worldwide. Um, I'm from Melbourne in Australia, um, and the percentage rate, at the estimated percentage rate for completely uh, unmedicated and without, like, and, any, and births without any medical intervention sits at one to five percent. So this is, you know, a very, very big contrast to what the case was a hundred years ago, which almost all women gave birth in that manner. So once I had this realization, I um, became quite fascinated and intrigued about the topic, which is what led me to sign up to do uh, a birth educator course. Um, and so we're here today because I wanted to uh, have a space in Shanghai for women to learn a little bit more about birth um, because I do believe that you know there's always something to be learned from everyone's story um, whether it's you know having the birth that you intended or when there are surprises that come along um, but um, you know I wanted to kind of do these talks um, on a monthly basis so that we can learn from each other's experience and to kind of start the conversation and to start um, to uh, open people's mind about what is possible um, and, you know, facilitate uh, the start of a conversation on how to educate yourself on birth. Um, and so today we have Mel, um, a really good friend of mine, um, and we met um, at uh, Maria's uh, uh, wolf woman group um, and we met at a time where I was pregnant um, and Mel was trying. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we, we kind of bonded through this motherhood journey. Um, and so I wanted to do my first talk with her and uh, explore um, what her experience was like in the pursuit of having an unmedicated birth. Um, so Mel, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Mel, and uh, this is Kina, um, and this is my husband, Edwin. And uh, Kina is four months now, and uh, I'm right now a, a full-time mom, which is lovely. Um, but before that, I was a, an educator in Shanghai and actually around the world. But um, yeah, so I came here uh, where I met my husband. And we had been trying for a few years to have a baby. And then when she came naturally, it was a, it was a beautiful gift. So yeah, yeah. 
That's good. And I'm grateful. Thank you all for being here and letting us share our story. Um, I do. I, I hope it helps. Um, I really do. So feel free to ask us anything. Yeah. Any questions you have. Okay, and also before uh, we continue and before I forget, <laughs> I'd like to thank Julie for opening up her space for all of us to be here as well. Um, thank yeah. you for sharing this space. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, I guess the first thing that I wanted to touch on was um, uh, in relation to uh, wanting to have an unmedicated birth. Mm -hmm. What led you to have that um intention yeah I mean I think it was interesting when when we found out that I was pregnant with Kina it was in the middle of uh, the pandemic and it was really hard for me because I, I couldn't be close to my family so what I ended up doing was doing a lot of research about my my history and I found out that my great-great-grandmother gave birth to 13 children and it was definitely unmedicated. And I was thinking, wow, you know, if this woman could give birth to 13 children, and then my, my great, my great grandmother gave birth to five children, and then my grandmother gave birth to four children, all of which were unmedicated. And I did talk to my aunt and my mom, and they both gave birth unmedicated. But when I spoke with my friends, they were telling me about all the medication I could get, you know, oh, epidural. We went and picked up um, a changing table, and the woman was so excited because apparently they offer laughing gas in Beijing for women who are pregnant and want to be high when they have their baby. And, and all of that was just, it was such a, it was such a shock to me. Like, I, I didn't, I don't know, I guess in my own family, we, it's something I think, my aunt, my mom, and my, my grandparents were all proud of that we did this. And then the other thing that worried me was just everyone was like, oh, the pain, the pain. And I'm like, but how, you know, how did my, how did this woman that, you know, is part of my lineage have 13 babies and, you know, keep going? Like, you know, it's just, there's something to it. So that led me to kind of pursue ways to have an unmedicated birth. Yeah, without that quote-unquote pain, yeah, and without uh, medication. Sure. And when you came across, you know, what did you come across in your research? So I did, I did a lot of things. Um, one thing that, that really helped me, uh, for example, was, was Reiki. So like my, my friend Anna is also here. Um, we do uh, a form of, of Reiki in Shanghai, and, and that was really grounding because... A lot, I think, the reason I think pain and medication are just women want that is I think a lot of it's based in fear. Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciated about Reiki is that it helps alleviate that fear. Mm -hmm. So that was one, one avenue I took. Um, another, another avenue I took was um, journaling. And so I brought some artifacts with me just to, to show everybody. So like... Some, something I did when Kina was was still growing <laughs> was I have, I have this, it's a journal that my students gave me when I was teaching in Qinghai. And they gave this to me and they only filled out the first three pages. And I realized, well, I should, I should use this book. And so what I ended up doing was just writing, whoops, writing gratitude every day. 
So every day I would just write things that I was grateful for, especially in the midst of the pandemic where everyone fear was like all over the news um, and everything like that. So I started journaling a lot. And then later, and then later I found this book, which I thought was really powerful. It's called Birthing from Within. And they offer some really lovely images of women who, um, of, of women who created art and and really kind of embodied what they were feeling and their emotions and just being very present and using art as a platform. And I thought that that was really incredible. And so I ended up making this little journal for Kina and my art is not very good, but I, I drew pictures and I wrote about things that were happening. Okay, honey things that, you know, my pets and things. And, and for me, I found that to be really calming. And so that was really, really wonderful. She might be hungry. So, okay. You wanna go? Yeah. Is it okay, actually, if I rest Yeah, you? of course. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to rest you right now. Um, so, so anyway, I don't know if this is gonna work. Mom life. Turn. Okay, so, so yeah, so I ended up journaling, and then actually I was also taking Maria's second class with the Wolf Group, and, and that was really powerful as well, because I got to speak to a lot of women who were at different, okay, here we go, different stages, okay, different stages wanting to get pregnant, um, were pregnant, our friend Natasha was pregnant at the time as well, and, um, and so yeah, so we were... Yeah, we were kind of experiencing that and talking about women and um, the life, death, life cycle. And there were, and what I loved about that group as well, there were women of different ages. Um, and that was really, I think I needed that at that time because my own family wasn't around. And, um, and so that was really great. And then I met Delphine, and De or I actually knew Delphine, but Delphine was offering a... A, a quest. Okay. 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 So just a minute while I get situated. <laughs> so Delphine was offering this mindfulness class, and that was really, really powerful. So I have a book over there that's yellow. It's about um, the uh, mindful childbirth or birthing, and that's also it was very helpful. So that was really uh, that was really helpful, and then the other things that I did were I like my friend Valeria offered. Oh, nice, thank you. Um, she she does uh, kinesiology, and that was really thank you. That's great, thank you. That was and that was really powerful as well because you know when you are stressed, when you do feel fear, and and that was also something that I because. Because I'm in a different country and with a different culture, that was also something that was really um, challenging at times. And so kinesiology was really great because it, um, it helped, uh, Valeria helped kind of unlock tension that was in my body. And what was so powerful about doing this 
this um, kind of form of, of healing and support was that was the first time I felt Kina kick. So she released a block that I had in my body and then bam, you know, this little leg popped out of my belly. Like it was just, it was the coolest thing. And so it really is, you know, for those moms, that, those women that have been pregnant, you know, any kind of stress or tension in your body definitely is reflected in your child. And so to kind of do things, not just to prepare you, I think, for labor, but just to prepare you for that journey um, is really, really important. Um, and, you know, and then um, the other thing I, I did was I tried as much as possible to stay away from social media. Um, I think that for me was overwhelming. And at times I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this or I'm, I'm not that. And, you know, ah, you know, I should be doing more yoga, ah, you know, and all this, all this stuff that kind of gets to you. And I felt that kind of negative self-talk was not appropriate. And, and also I had some friends here that were always, they were, t you know, talking about their kind of birthing stories that were not helpful and that were full of fear and full of trauma. And, and that to me, you know, again, was really, was really challenging, you know? And one thing I said to Mandy is I wish that we had more stories that would allow each mm -hmm. other to kind of, to build each other up mm -hmm. and not kind of pull each other down. And so that's kind of something I'm hoping that we can get from this talk is that, you know, we're here with all of our beautiful gifts, you know, our, our beautiful jewelry, our artwork, our, our courses, our, our vans, you know, like things that are just so awesome. And, and I think we, we should use these gifts to kind of support each other when we go through such a, you know, it is a once in a lifetime thing, I think, because every birth is different. So it's just it's just really incredible, yeah. Can we backtrack a little bit for those that don't know what Reiki and kinesiology, kinesiology is? Yeah. Like what, just give okay. a little background on what they are. Sure. So, um, so Reiki is a form of, uh, well, I guess they kind of both are. It's a form of energy healing. Um, and so with Reiki, you, um, you lay down and um, someone will put their hands on your body and you go to the different kind of different chakra points and and then and then what they do is there's a there's a transfer you can kind of pick up blockages um, and so it's and it's also a bit more spiritual I would say um, and so that's also what attracted me to Reiki because when when I was in labor with her um, I I felt the presence of these kind of other beings that were also there. So whenever I felt, I felt that, you know, I need more help, I felt like it was there. And that was really, really important to me because again, being in another country, away from family, you know, listening to words that I might not understand 100%, I needed that. And, um, and then kinesiology is uh, also kind of form of energy transfer, but it, it almost uses, um, it uses other parts of your body to um, to release tension. So what what happens is there's a, we all hold tension in our body and we might not realize that. And so what Valeria was able to do was move my hand a certain way and figure out where the blockage was in my body. 
And then with, with that, then she would go and she would do kind of, not exercises, but um, what kind of exercises? Kind of movements. Move, yeah, movements to kind of release those blockages. And then we would try it again and, and they would dissipate, they would go away. Yeah. Okay. So would you say that, um, you know, these things that you discovered were tools for, I guess, you know, for you to have more faith in the birthing process or like how did, like what kind of role did these modalities kind of play into your birth? Yeah, I mean, I think what, what they, well, I think what they did was they helped they helped Kina with her growth within me. Like I just, I feel like they provided, they provided space to grow really healthy and, and as you guys saw, happy, happy little baby, you know? Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was also really important. I think with the labor and delivery bit, um, what, what was really supportive or, or helpful for me was the Reiki and also the mindfulness. And those were the two tools I needed for labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. um, the kinesiology um, was very helpful, and the Reiki also, and the journaling for um, up to that point. Okay. Yeah. Great. So what were some of the responses from your friends when you told them that you wanted to have an unmedicated birth? So that, that was funny. They, I mean, I remember actually having a conversation with my cousin, and and they were just like you you know you're crazy you 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 get you got to get drugged up for this you know you've seen the movies <laughs> so they um they were just very um yeah they were kind of talking about the pain and the drugs and oh my gosh i had another friend that had two epidurals because the doctor didn't put it in properly but she said she needed it and and I just, I don't know about you guys, but I, the, the idea of getting two needles in your back <laughs> just was a little too much for me. And I had also done some research, you know, and, and it was interesting, a lot of my friends were, you know, so pro-drugs. But when I was doing my research, I actually discovered that sometimes you can get an epidural and it won't kick in until after the baby has arrived. Um, and then the other thing that I found, um, I was reading a book uh, for Edwin and I, and it's called Getting the Love You Want. And it's about, you know, deepening your relationship with your partner. And in chapter two, they talk about the first human connection. And the, in that chapter with the first human connection, they talked about how it's the time when the baby is placed on its mother's belly. And if a baby is drugged, they might not realize where they are. They might wake up and they're already in the baby cot next to the, the, the mother's bed. Um, and that how important it is that that first human connection, you know, be felt, be felt as safe and warm and inviting and kind of, you know, um, cognitive of, you know, what's, what's going on. And so I really wanted that for her. I wanted her first human connection not to be drugged because when you do get an epidural, the baby is also affected. And um, I was also reading it can lower the baby's heart rate. Um, and so I, I, I also wanted to kind of put my own personal, I don't know, needs, I guess, aside and really focus on 
my child. And so even though my friends were like, oh, you should try this drug, that drug, you know, I was like, oh my goodness. Like apparently in the U.S. they were using fentanyl at a time to help women um, deal with pain. And I know as an American, drugs are really pushed, pushed hard and heavy. And that was something I, I didn't want, especially for the first first moments outside the womb to be for my daughter to even have any ounce of drug in her. I wanted her to be, to start life on a good note, you know, free from medication and just, you know, a pure, wonderful experience. Mm. Yeah. How did it make you feel when you had, I guess, this kind of feedback from people that are in, that, that are very close to you? The, um, well... Yeah, I guess I guess it was hard. I what I what I ended up doing, and I was I was kind of telling you this. I did some self-deprecating. It's like, well, yeah, I guess I'm a dirty hippie, and you know all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, that's me, you know. But I it, it was hard because you do, <clears throat> you do want support. You do want care that you know this is a wonderful choice, mm-hmm. and it would have been nice to kind of I think hear that more mm-hmm. um, from from friends that were that were close by. I mean, I feel lucky that that Edwin was very supportive um, and allowed me to go to all these all these places, even though he was like, I have no idea why you're, you're going to all these places and doing all these things. But he was just, you know, really I'm, I'm just really grateful for his support. But but for the for others, it would have been it would have been really nice to have some even some form of. I don't know. I think I was saying to you, Mandy, like a community where it's just really embraced that your choices are acknowledged and accepted and and honored. You know, yeah, totally. Okay. Um, and then in terms of uh, you know your birthing experience itself, do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? What that journey was like? Sure. Yeah. Mm. So I um actually I I was supposed to go to the the mindfulness class that evening but well actually let me let me backtrack a little bit Kina um wanted to stay inside me for a very long time she did not want to leave she just was very comfortable and um kind of like she is now yeah (laughs) she uh she just was really really happy and in China you I think at 42 weeks you have to have a medical induction um, actually, if you're Chinese, you have to have it right at 40 weeks. So she was pushing, she was pushing on, what were you pushing on? You were pushing on 41 weeks. So she was pushing on 41 weeks. And, um, and I was nervous because our doctor kept talking about medical inductions. And, and I didn't want that. So I was researching and I decided to get what's called a, I think it's called a membrane sweep. And so I decided to do that because I wanted her to come on her own terms. So I, I did a membrane sweep on Wednesday, and then in, on Thursday I, I went into labor um, that, that evening. So it can happen quite quickly. Um, sometimes it takes a week. It, it really depends on you. But I mean, I think she was ready. I think she just really liked hanging out. That's kind of what I think happened. So. Um, around Thursday, I felt a lot of cramping, and I told Delphine um, in our class that I, I think I'm going to cancel because maybe she's going to come. And around, yeah, around 10, 10.30, my water broke. And um, then we just got everything ready, 
and Edwin's parents came and picked us up. And yeah, yeah, was very nervous and went through a red light, but the, the cameras didn't get that, so that's great. And uh, we arrived, we arrived at the hospital, and there was a, a cart to kind of. They were like, "Here, you can lay down on this this bed, and we'll push you in." And I tried, and I was like, "No, I can't, I can't do this. I, I don't want the cart." So I just walked in. But when I was, you know. After my water broke, and actually right before, these kind of sensations, these contractions I were feeling, um, also backtracking again, what was great about mindfulness was I just experienced them. I didn't judge them. I didn't say, oh my gosh, the next one's going to be worse, you know, because that's, again, that's fear. You don't want that. I just looked and I noticed, I'm thinking, where is this coming from? Okay, I'm feeling it, you know, I don't feel it in my back, I don't feel it in my arms, I feel it, you know, in my hips a little, it feels warm. And, and then at the end, after my noticing, I said, and this is bringing Kina to me. And so I kept that, that was kind of my mantra, and that was my mantra all the way through. And so when we got to the hospital, um, I was in, in the hospital, the room, they had me lay on the table just to kind of see how dilated I was. And they noticed I was shaking, like my whole body was shaking. And they were like, oh, that's the pain. And I was like, what pain? Like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's fine. You know, and so they but so they were saying, yeah, it, it must be um, <laughs> the pain. But luckily, you know, another wonderful tool I had that I forgot to mention was a doula. So I did have a woman named Tiffany who was my wonderful doula who supported both Edwin, myself, and, and Kina um, throughout our birth. And so she came in and she was also helping me do different exercises. But it did get to a point where actually I was nauseous and I started vomiting. And um, they you know, said, well, it's, it's just very intense. Your contractions are very strong. So my doula luckily had what's called a TENS machine. And so it's this kind of like machine. Whoops. Okay. This machine that I could put on my back to kind of help counter the sensations that I was feeling. So once she put the tense machine on, it was just like a game changer. It was just, it was almost like a massage. I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, you know, experiencing this, but then experiencing that. So it was just a really beautiful orchestration of sensation. And so um, then I even, we all took naps. Right, Edwin? We all took naps. Like, we just like laid down, got comfortable. Um, I had these little lights. Um, I had my water bottle. I had, um, this is uh, trace minerals that went in my water bottle. And um, I had a beautiful chorus playing, thanks to Srini and her amazing breathwork classes. <laughs> and um, I had, and, and the, the curtains were pulled, so it was just really lovely. And we had a diffuser of balance. So it was just really, it was just a nice space, and we all fell asleep. And then sometime we kind of woke up and I, I, I realized the tense machine had come, had come off. <laughs> and uh, we went, when, and then Edwin got Tiffany, because Tiffany also took a nap. And we found out that um, I was actually quite dilated. I think I was four centimeters. So after three centimeters, that's when things really go quickly. And so they had me take a shower. And at that point, I just, I got naked. And the next thing I remember, you know, Kina was coming. And Edwin got on the side of the bed, 
And our doctor, who is amazing, Dr. Ferguson, was there telling us, you know, Mel, now is the kind of now is the time to push. And I didn't realize this, but I had been in labor for eleven hours, and it really didn't feel like it. It felt like maybe two or three. Um, and so I was just trying very hard to push, and probably breaking Edwin's hand a little. Uh, sorry. And <laughs> and so I, you know, I pushed a few times, and at one point I just remember, because it is a very internal thing. I just remember breathing and saying, Kina, we've got this. Now is, now is our time. And I breathed and I pushed and her head came out and then her shoulders. And then she immediately came out and she was so happy to be out that she peed on my stomach. <laughs> so yeah. she was just really, really great. And then a little while later, she pooped on the tense machine. So she was just with it and so happy and uh, big eyes and just really, really aware. And that's, that's really what I wanted. And she was on my chest and later she was on Edwin's chest. They did a delayed cord clamping, which I highly recommend. Um, and also for, for partners, take off your shirt, let your child feel you, because I think that also really helped um, Edwin and Kina connect. Um, and even, even now I have beautiful photos of them in the mornings connecting. Um, but it is, it's that beautiful connection without drugs, without medicine, um, that you know I think is just so special. I want to go back a little bit to how intense it was. Mm. I mean, it was intense enough, like you said, that you were throwing up, right? Yeah. How did that feel for you, though? Because, yeah, you know, we've had conversations about this, and and you weren't even aware that it was that intense. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think. I mean, I felt the nausea. To be honest, what I was. <laughs> What I was concerned about, it wasn't so much what I was feeling. I was like, oh my gosh, these poor people have to clean up all this. Like, I was like, you know, so I just remember, I think during my labor and delivery, I kept apologizing, right? I kept saying like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry about that. Like, there's spew here and there, forgive me. You know, and so I just, I mean, it was, yeah, but I just, I think, yeah, and that was really interesting. I think I was just more concerned about the possible like work that others might have to do. Um, but in terms of the sensations itself, it was fine. You know, it was just, it was interesting. I think the perception that other people had about what I was going through was not the same as what I felt. And I think that was really, really interesting. So I, um, I don't know. I think, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Can you try to describe what that was like? Like, yeah, was it more you were in your body, in your head? Like, yeah, I was. I I think I was both. I was both in my body and I was in my mind, and I was just. I was kind of feeling the rhythm of what was happening and the sensations, um, and then what would happen was someone there would be a bag rustle or someone would say oh my gosh the pain or something and then I would kind of snap out of that kind of trance that mm. that feeling that rhythm I was in mm. and that's when the 
the nervousness of, oh gosh, I'm making a horrible mess or this. And it's, it, it kind of took me out mm. of that, that feeling and, and the sensations. Yeah. What was it like when you were in it? When I was in it, I honestly, I just, I felt very, to be honest, I felt very in control, mm. like very in control. I didn't feel, mm. um, I mean, it was so fascinating. At one point someone said when I was pushing with Kina, don't be afraid. And I was thinking, would I be afraid? <laughs> it was like, you know, it's just, it's so it's again, it's the, the perceptions, you know, I just felt like my body is amazing and strong and beautiful and we're doing this and Kina knows what she's doing and I know what I'm doing. And, and so I think that was, yeah, the only times that I did snap out of it was the kind of the, the outside, the outside kind of noise, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. How I I know like I mean we're we're friends so I kind of know the whole journey. Mm -hmm. Can you describe a little bit about um you know the team that you had in your birth space and how that contributed to your birth? Yeah. Um well I had wonderful friends and wonderful classes and so that was their workshops so that was really helpful and um, and the other thing that was really helpful, I mean, when, when we first found out I was pregnant, we went to one hospital and that was really hard for me because it was during the pandemic and Edwin was not allowed to come in. And that was really scary because, you know, there's a lot going on. And also I am, I'm much, I'm much older. So <laughs> they kept telling me, oh, it's a geriatric pregnancy. And the other thing they told me was, you probably could miscarry, so you can't see a doctor until you're 16 weeks. And so I was not seeing doctors. I was seeing, um, I guess, students um, before. And basically, any everything that could go wrong, they were telling me was going wrong, and so I was very stressed. Um, and so that's when we went to a different hospital and, and that's something also I do want to emphasize is that, you know, you're in a very delicate space when you're pregnant and you, you take control, you know, don't let doctors tell you what should or shouldn't happen. This is your body. This is your baby. And you need to be able to connect with that hospital staff because when your child is born and you're, you're going through that, you want to be in a safe space. You want to be with, with people and a team that are going to support you and honor you no matter what your choices are. Um, and so we actually found that um, at this hospital in Shanghai um, called Ferguson. And um, we actually went with Dr. Ferguson because I also wanted Edwin, not only Edwin to be there, um, but also I wanted his parents to hear things because, um, you know, there's certain things that maybe are culturally different. Um, so like pets, for example, I wanted his parents to know that I, you know, Keaton will be safe. And in fact, pets are very helpful. So they were great um, about that. They also gave us a wonderful birthing plan um, that we took home. And we made so many details. I was telling, I think I was telling Mandy this, that there's like a little note section and like literally in like very small print, I wrote exactly what would happen if we needed like a C-section. 
And Dr. Ferguson read that and said, wow. And then she turned to Edwin and said, can you translate this so that we can keep it in the file? So no matter what, the, the uh, anyone who would assist Melissa with this would, you know, she would be safe and set. So things like um, for the for the C-section, I wanted things like um, there, there's this new type of C-section where they push the baby out. I wanted that. I wanted to make sure that even if I got a C-section, if I, if I was very out of it, that the baby would go directly on Edwin's chest. And so he knew that he needed to be shirtless the whole time and ready, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and then uh, the other thing that I wanted, because I was concerned about the microbiome, was to do, um, to take a gauze and have it rub on the inside of my vagina and wipe it over the baby because that is actually supposed to help with the baby's microbiome once, once they are delivered C-section. Um, and so I made all of these notes very, very clear because with any pregnancy, you never know what could happen. You could plan for the most wonderful natural birth or, or well, all births are natural, but you know, um, you know, labor without C-section, you know, and then find out you need an emergency one, right? And that's okay, you know, because it, it's, Again, every every story is different. It's just figuring out what, yeah, I guess empowering yourself to make those choices. Yeah, yeah totally. And so in terms of, you know, that must have been so challenging to go through a care system where, you know, you're being, like where your pregnancy is being described in such a negative manner. Like... I want to kind of cover a little bit on how that made you feel. And, you know, as, as someone, you know, this is your first baby. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel at the beginning? And, and, you know, I, and what was it like to go with a provider that, you know, was more aligned with what you needed? Yeah, no, I think, and to be honest, I think Mandy, it's like a huge, gosh, it's a huge problem. I think there's not a lot of, um, I would say, I, I don't think doctors are trained with proper bedside manner when talking to patients, especially women who are going through this for the first time, um, and or even the second time. I mean, I, I don't feel like there's any reason to have these kind of terms. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, there are a lot of terms that maybe we should possibly, if we could, change them mm. and really consider the whole person. Mm. Are they healthy? Are they mm. exercising? Are they eating well? Mm. You know, do they drink a lot? Do they smoke? Mm. You know, really look at each person as an individual when you're having a baby because everybody is different. Um, so initially it made me feel, it made me feel worthless. I was like, they're right, you know, my gosh, maybe I, I can't, I can't mm. have a baby. I, you know, maybe I am going to have a miscarriage. Mm. Like I remember telling a friend, oh my mm. gosh, I'm pregnant. And she's like, oh, don't do that. Mm. It's too soon. And I'm mm. like, why, mm. you know, why do we have this in our mind that it's mm. too soon? Why can't we set that intention that yes, I am pregnant. Yes, I am having this baby. And you know what? If, if I miscarry, I'm going to have that beautiful support and love around me. But you know what? Uh-uh. My mind is set. I'm pregnant. It's happening. You know? But it's this weird idea that we need to be quiet about it. I think we should be, like, singing and rejoicing, putting flags on mountains, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Totally. I agree with that so much because I... I 
you know, there's a couple of, of points there. You know, I, f I feel like there's one point which is, um, first of all, like, birth is not a medical problem. Mm -hmm. It's inherently just not a medical problem. And for it to be considered as such and for there to be so much fear around it mm. is a little mind-blowing, you know. Mm. And, you know, we didn't survive as a species for this long. Yeah if it was inherently such a big problem, you know? And so, yeah, and, and, and you're right. And it's not just, you know, and I don't think that sometimes uh, care providers don't understand that, you know, they're not dealing with problems mm -hmm. when a woman goes into, uh, you know, this journey of, of, of motherhood. Yeah. But they're trained like that. You know, they're trained to, and there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, that's their role. Their role is to fix problems. But women don't understand when they go into that space that I'm not a problem, mm. but I'm being taken care of by a system mm. that is meant for treating problems. Mm -hmm. So it's also not the system's fault either. Mm. But I think that it's just that, you know, we need to understand, you know, as parents, as women going into that space, what that disparity is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that, uh, unfortunately, the media coverage and, and the movies really exacerbate this idea that um, it is so painful, you know, and that when, when I went to my birthing class, that was one thing that I was thinking about when I was little. There was this movie called, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting it. It was with Kirstie Alley, Alley and um, John Travolta. And it was like, oh, look who's talking. And in this movie, she's just screaming and, you know, the baby is, you know, angry. Like you see this like little kind of like fetus like coming out or not. You see like the camera coming out. It's and it was just very, um, I don't know, it's just filled with with fear and and anger. They were fighting with each other as a couple and like. You know, I think we were we were very calm, you know, when we went to the hospital. It wasn't anger at all, you know, and Edwin was so supportive. And, I mean, he must have filled this thing, like, I don't know, a hundred times and <laughs> given it to me. Um, but it was just, yeah. So I, I think there's a, a, a disconnect, and I wish, you know, maybe we should all write to Netflix and tell them we should change this. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Okay, and then um, I wanted to also go into the preparation because, you know, for you to make such a detailed plan mm. of what would even happen in the case of an emergency, um, how much preparation did you put in and what did that journey kind of look like for you? Yeah. Did you come across any materials that you didn't connect with? What were they? You know, uh, how did, how, what did that look like? Yeah, so again, there's a lot of literature out there that I think is based in, and I, I sh actually I should have brought it, I was considering bringing some of the books that were, I feel like, more fear-based <laughs> than anything else, but there, there is a lot in there, and they talk about, oh, during this trimester, these are the things you need to look out for, you know, and these are the problems that could happen, and, you know, um, and that was, that was hard. I... There, and then there were, there there were some other books that were really interesting that looked at the history, um, uh, behind births, and one of the one book though that I I I liked and I appreciated 
was Emily um, Ost Oster's books, the, um, what is it, not Crib Sheets, uh, Expecting Better, yeah, Expecting Better. And so I appreciated that because it was kind of an economist look at what's happening, looking at statistics. Mm -hmm. And at, at the end, she kind of gives you a breakdown. Um, and I thought that was really helpful. There was another one that um, my, my former chiropractor, Dr. Patty, gave me about, uh, it was like the, what is it? The, the, the I, I forgot the name of the book, but it was really beautiful, but it was very much American-centered. But it looked at, the reason I liked it was because it, look, again, looked at the history of births, and then you saw there was a switch and that's, that was so fascinating because it showed the kind of the increase of medication and the increase of drugs that would allow women not to stay at the hospital longer. And the, they also talked about in the, the push to get away from home births. Um, and so things that they did for that. And so that was a, an interesting an interesting book, but but yeah, getting back to your question, um, when I was researching, I looked at not just um, pregnancy books, but also I looked at like food and and I was also curious about the microbiome because I wanted to make sure that Kina had very strong beginnings, and so um, that's when I I stumbled across all this research and literature on. Um, yeah, on, on food that you can eat and things that you can do to support your baby when they are coming out and also after. So your fourth trimester postpartum is also really important. And I think a lot of people forget that, that you do need to take care of yourself because if you are not happy, your little one will not be as happy. So that, that was something else. So I think Cynthia, is that it? With the, um, for, yeah. 48 How do you think um, your birthing experience impacted your early days as a mother? I think I think because I was not medicated, I mean it was it was just instantaneous. Like I just felt when Kina was on my stomach, when she was peeing, when all this happened, I just felt I was like, yes, this is my daughter. This is my child, you know? And it just felt, it felt so real. And it just felt, one thing I, I was saying to my Reiki teacher was that it just felt normal. Like I didn't feel different. It felt like this was meant to be. And it was just really, it was beautiful. It was just so beautiful. And after I didn't, I mean, I know a lot of, uh, there are women that deal or, or find, have challenges with postpartum, but we, I never experienced that mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even on, on days where she would just cry and cry, it was, and that was actually rare. She was, she's actually a very good baby. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky. <laughs> but she, yeah, she, it was, it was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she loves animals very, very much. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you know, I want to, to, I mean, how was being a new parent for you? Um, it's good. It's I I think it's a huge learning curve though. Um, I actually I feel like she's teaching me mm. more than I am teaching her right now. She is teaching me so much, mm. 
about the important things in life <laughs> and things that matter. Um, because I know before she came, I used to say yes to everything and I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this. And she's really teaching me that I have to say no. I have to slow down. I have to be present. You know, I am crying. I am here. Look at my face. You know, and you're like, yes, you are here. And I'm looking at your face and I'm smiling. And so it's that... I don't know. To be honest, I feel like she's the, the greatest teacher. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I wanted to also go um, and talk a little bit about, um, I guess, some of the... Did you at any point have any doubts that you were not able to have the kind of birth that you wanted? Hmm. Um... That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I was worried that maybe something would happen where, you know, maybe I would need a C-section or there would need to be some kind of medical intervention. But whenever that trickled into my, my head, I would go back to Reiki or I would go back to meditation and I would just be present to what was. Mm -hmm. And so that way, just again, keep that kind of steady mind. Um, and just not jump to, to fear or conclusions that were not real. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where do you think those fears came from? Um, I think a lot of it, I think, again, social media is dangerous, you know, and, and also sharing of birth stories can be really challenging when you are pregnant. Um, and so, I mean, and that... That's something I actually, I mean, you, you helped me with, you know, say, I would love to hear your birth story, but not at this time. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really powerful for me when you shared that with me. Because before, again, I was, I was this like, yes, personality. Yes, you can share. Yes, I'd love to hear. And then I got to that point where I was like, no, I really can't. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I need to kind of turn that off mm -hmm. and just focus on, you know, here and now mm -hmm. and, and my body and my birth. Yeah, with Kina. Mm. Yeah. Nice. It's <laughs> yeah. so beautiful. Um, and then if you could uh, leave one nugget of wisdom mm -hmm. for all of us to kind of feast on, yeah. what would that oh, be? Feast on. I mean, I think the best the best advice I was given was by a TCM doctor who I, I saw and I was very I was actually very stressed, and she turned to me and she said, "Trust your child." Mm -hmm. So that's all I would say is just trust your child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That was all the questions that I had. Um, I'm going to open it up for any of you guys that have anything that you want to ask now. Um, how do you feel mindfulness impacted the postpartum period or how did you prepare for the postpartum period? That's a really good question. Um, so with postpartum, again, it's very, I found it very challenging to be as mindful because you are a little sleep deprived with waking up every two hours or more. And what one thing that helped me in terms of being mindful was 
um, again, actually it was more noticing. Uh, yeah, I guess it was, yeah, more noticing, but also I'm going to go back to Reiki again. I think I needed that spiritual connection to know that there are other beings out there that are making sure we are okay. So for some people, maybe they don't need that. But for me, I definitely, I needed that. I needed that visualization that, you know, her Norwegian great-great-grandmother is above her and making sure she's not going to get SIDS. <laughs> you know? Because, you know, again, with, every, you know, when, when you have your baby, everybody's checking in, everybody's offering their advice. And it's, again, you, you, you've tried to create that barrier, that safety, um, but it still gets in there. And so that fear does elevate a bit more. And so that's why, you know, mindfulness is, is wonderful. But then for me, I needed that, that extra Reiki um, uh, kind of support and, and spirituality that, that she is going to be okay and that we, we are going to be okay as a family. Yeah. Question. I have a question about um, kind of what you think <clears throat> looking back you could have done before conception. Mm -hmm. Before conception. How to prepare for mm -hmm. pre pregnancy. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I and actually it was interesting. Edwin and I got in a fight a little while ago. Uh, in front of Kina. and But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when that happened, I had this knee-jerk reaction where I just was like, ah. And then I stopped and, and, and I realized, um, wow, you know, that was a trigger for me. And, and I think as you plan on becoming a mom or a father or anyone, noticing your triggers, mm. noticing these things, because your child is going to spend all that time studying you, and all of these kind of maybe traits that you're embarrassed of or ashamed of, they're going to latch on to. And I also believe that, you know, these are sources of pain and, um, you know, and, and sadness. And I think as much as possible to really come face to face with those and let go of them, because I think by doing that too, you're also, you know, releasing that maybe constriction within your body, um, and and that will that will also help. Because I know for for us, it did take a while for us to be pregnant, um, and it was interesting. After my Reiki master's level, I became pregnant, and it was because of all that work that I needed to do, looking at my inner child, looking at my own childhood, looking at my family and and the past, and what were these patterns that were possibly causing pain or suffering. And, you know, and even now they still will pop up. I'm not perfect at all. But I, I, I'm at a place where I am able to reflect and recognize it. Um, and thanks to mindfulness and um, radical compassion is another good book to look at. Um, was really, it's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. I'd like to jump off of that. I had a lot of triggers when I first gave birth as well. And I would say that like I almost regressed back to when I was a child. And so a lot of my childhood, like, like I guess, triggers came up for me. 
Um, and so, you know, it was interesting that you spoke about that, but that was something that, like, I'm glad that I had already built up kind of like a little library of tools that I had really easy access to, so that when I became a mom, it was easy for me to kind of just go, oh, okay, this is coming up, I've got this to deal with, that thing. Um, I think something that we often forget is we focus so much on the birth of the child you're also going through a rebirth when you become a mom and when you become a dad, you know, you're becoming this new person and you have, you know, everything kind of shifts a little bit. I actually know a lot, you know, everything shifts. And so, you know, if you have whatever it is, it could be Reiki, it could even be just having good friends around to talk to it could be anything it doesn't matter what it is but just having knowing that you have tools available to you for those mm -hmm. moments where you feel like okay i need a little bit of help and practicing asking for help i think is something that i would say you know, was very helpful yeah. oh sorry um, a few questions, but um, firstly, what is um, a membrane? A membrane scan? Or sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah. sweet. It's um, what what the doctor does is um, they use their hand to go inside and basically they irritate the um, what is it? The I'm forgetting now. The cervix is that yes. it? Yeah, they irritate the cervix. It and it's a more natural way for induction. Um, other things they can use are drugs. But I, from the research I did, it sounded painful and sounded just, again, not natural. And that was something I really wanted to stay away from um, for, for Kina as well. The sweep or the other stuff? The other stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I have a question. Edwin, would you mind if I asked you a question? Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to see how, since becoming a father, like, you feel like you... Um, I don't know, your rebirth, I guess, or like what your experience has been personally. Oh, yeah, the life trail <laughs> is totally changed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to be the father, a lot of work and the responsibility I need to do. No lazy times. It's <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. a lot of work, it's a new work. Yeah. <laughs> As I also have the, ch the challenge work, but it's very sweet for and uh, look the little life mm, getting it's getting growing day by day yeah it's very sweet and uh, comfort mm -hmm. and do you still bake yes yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there's yeah. six there's six loaves of bread out there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny, right after Kina came, it was just such a powerful, wonderful experience. It's like, yes, I'm ready for number two. <laughs> so it was just that, like, you know, I didn't, and it was so interesting after because my family and everyone was like, oh, no, you want to wait, you want to wait. But I was like, this was awesome. Like, I loved it. You know, there was no, 
they, they talk about birth trauma a lot too and that's a real thing which is why it's really important you have a really good team a good medical team um, and good as, as Vandy was saying like a support group around you um, but no I mean I think if for, for our second one if, if we choose to have one or if we're, we're blessed to have one then I think what you know what I would just do is again continue to do my own self work and you know make sure though that that she's also in a really good place because I would want to make sure that she's you know healthy and happy so that that way I wouldn't have to be as concerned about you know providing her with the love and attention and care that she might need and maybe neglecting the other being growing inside me so just making sure that we're all okay but She's she's pretty she's pretty healthy. <laughs> she's very happy. Yeah, she's very very happy baby. <laughs> um, I'm wondering how your family reacted to your pregnancy and your way of wanting to do things. Mm -hmm. um, and then also after she was born and maybe like the cloth diapering or things like that. You know. Yeah. Just. Um, yeah, how that has been with family. Well, it's it's interesting. I think because we are still so separated with the pandemic, it's not as um, I think it, it's not so much an issue, or it never really was, because there there was nothing we could do. You know, I couldn't. I mean, I guess technically I could have flown home, but then if I did that, then Edwin couldn't. He wouldn't have been able to be with me. Um, and so I think because of the outside um, circumstances, things weren't as, as heightened. But it was interesting. They, they were shocked when I showed them Kina's cloth diaper because, you know, back in the day they had these like pins and they would get poked. So when I showed them, actually, it's very different. They were like, oh, you know, and it was, it was interesting for them. I mean, I don't know. What did your mom think when she saw the cloth diapers? Well, uh, um, Amanya is a very traditional uh, tropic Chinese, so they they seem to use the how to say that the um, expandable one. Oh, this disposable. This uh, disposable one is easy and convenient. Also, it's not so expensive. Mm, yeah, at the beginning they suggest they suggest us to use the ex ex disposable disposable one. Mm, but uh, we tried a little bit, but later, uh, you know, I was busy, uh, I was lazy to do the so complex, the washer things. I used the disposable, uh, dis disposable one. Mm -hmm. So the problem is, baby's skin cannot be breathed away because it's mm -hmm. too much of plastic on it. <coughs> and uh, mm, also, it's not good for the environment. So. Mm -hmm. Some for reasons I choose the male's decision. We use the the, uh, the washable one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's but it's, it's very good, very good. Oh, you also should recommend the the, the one the Japanese the cotton paper. Oh, uh, we to put on there. It's yeah. very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we found all these tricks, but definitely the the cloth diapers have been much healthier. I feel like for her. The other thing I told my family to watch when they were questioning that, because the other thing we did was we, we got secondhand clothes mm -hmm. for Kina because um, I was really concerned about the chemicals. A lot of, um, and, and also on her all of her baby products, 
um, flame retardants, things like that, that can be very damaging to babies as they're growing. Um, so there is a really interesting documentary on Netflix called Stink. And in that documentary, this father talks about how his wife passed away from cancer and the, the clothes that his daughters got and how they smelled. Mm -hmm. And then when he went to, and this was like a really reputable child like clothing company, and when he asked them what chemicals they used, they said, oh, you know, the normal ones. But they wouldn't give him a direct answer. So then when he, he actually sent the clothes to a lab and found out how, mo like, I think huge number were cancer, uh, cancerous mm -hmm. and cancer-causing. And so, you know, we, when, when Kino was born, I think it's up until seven years old when their immune system can start operating at a, at a more, at, on their own. You know, until then, it's quite um, fragile. And so I, you know, Edwin, luckily, you know, he agrees with me that up until that point, we really want to, as much as possible, you know, use things that are you know, secondhand and, you know, as natural as possible. That said, when your family gives you gifts, you know, and they want to see it, you, of course, have to kind of pick your battles and say, okay, okay. that way, she, but she, she would definitely not be inundated with new things. Um, and so, yeah, so I think allowing my family to kind of see things like that really helped. Yeah. Do you think that, like, by giving the U.S. or any other, like, very many um, burst country. Oh yeah, yeah, very different. And and actually, it was interesting. Um, Dr. Ferguson is actually a trained OBGYN from America, um, or she got her license, I guess, in America, um, and studied there. And we were talking about how there are certain things that are not allowed um, in America because of suing. You would be sued. And so, and, and not just that, also you've got insurance companies that are really, they push things, let's just say that. And so because of that, things, things are quite different. Um, my naturopath in America did say that there are birthing centers you can go to um, in the US, however, but if you were to go to kind of a Western hospital or, or American hospital, it's just very, very different. Yeah. And on the other hand, do you feel like here, like being stuck in here, like you didn't, it wasn't your plan to fly back, right, to give birth, it was to give birth. Just be here, yeah. Um, would you say you could have had some other tools that weren't available here, or you had everything that you could ever I mean, there are certain things, like I wish, I do wish that we could have had like a home birth. That would have been amazing, but that's not allowed here. Um, the other thing that worried me was because she was in me for so long, at 42 weeks, she has to be induced. Um, whereas my friend in Sweden was telling me she gave birth at 45 weeks to a, a five kilo baby, vaginally, <laughs> which is amazing. And, you know, so I think it, it really, it depends on the country. And I think with, for what China has to offer and especially what Shanghai has to offer because you do have so many choices here in the city, I think it's a really, it's a wonderful place to give birth, yeah.
Oh, tear. Yeah. I did. I did a little tear. Um, it was a what category one, I guess. They have different ones, mm -hmm. and and that was fine. It was very small, and my doctor uh, sewed me very quickly uh, right after, and it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't really wasn't a problem. They will make make sure that you urinate before you can leave the room, just to make sure everything is passing through as it should be. Um, but yeah, everything was okay. But was this something you planned, like if ever it would happen? Because I, I know that you can tear quite mm. a lot, right? I think that's the part that I'm. You can about, actually. You know? There's a book. I think it's Deepak Chopra wrote it. There's a book, you can actually prepare your body mm -hmm. by doing stretches with oils beforehand. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll find the book, and it's a beautiful book actually, um, that's very holistic, but there are things that you can do to pre prepare your, 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 your vaginal area for that kind of you know, fast exit, exodus. So, um, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't be concerned. Also, if you trust your birthing team, they're going to tell you, and that's something I, I realized, I need a coach. I need someone to kind of tell me when to push. Some women, maybe they feel like, okay, I can do this myself, but because it was my first baby, because I wasn't really sure what to expect, I did ask that they coach me and tell me when to, to push and when to stop, because that can also help with um, lessening the tearing and that's something Dr. Ferguson did do with me. She'd say, push, stop, and then push, stop. And so that way, you know, she slowly exited. Yeah. If I was to do it again, I would not get them to coach me. And okay. just, go, yeah, with, yeah. And just go, with yeah, go with my body. Yeah, go with your body. That would be too. Yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting about that is that you hear a lot about tearing because mm -hmm. um, actually it's because you know, if you trust that your body mm -hmm. and your baby is going to come out when it's ready, yeah, your body will naturally prepare, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it also has to do with how relaxed you are. Mm -hmm. So the more relaxed you are, the more your body is able to expand for yeah. this new life to come. So that's also a very big part of it too, I think. And then was the water did the water birth help in preventing that? For me, I also had a small tear, but I didn't feel it at all. Yeah. Mm. I did not feel it at all. So talking about your body, like post birth, like mm. how has your body been feeling? Like how have you been, I don't know, what, what kind of things have you been doing for your body and how do you feel? Well, Edwin and his mom have been making me a lot of very nice postpartum Chinese food, which is great. Um, but I, I've been doing a lot more walks. I think one, your pelvic floor does change quite a bit. And so one thing that I did, because we live in Minhong, so we live a bit far, so I can't go to the classes that they do offer here for pelvic floor rehabilitation. So something I told, actually told Mandy about, there's this woman from Australia that offers a pelvic floor and restore class online. And so I signed up for her course and I found it to be really helpful, also very holistic because she wants you to understand what is going on. So you have these modules in the beginning where she really 
shows all the different muscles. And she talks about what happens when the baby is born and how your muscles kind of stretch. And then she also has you feel exactly, you know, how far apart your muscles are, um, you know, in order to work on strengthening them again to bring them back together. Um, and so she has all these really wonderful um, lessons that allow you to use your breath um, and then use your core to help strengthen that again. That said, I, I should be doing it much more, but I just, I'm gonna but I'm gonna get back into that. But it, she is I really I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, and then just walks with my dogs have been really helpful. Yeah. They do they, they actually they just showed Edwin mm -hmm. um, like when I was resting Edwin just went back with them and so they taught him how to do all of that um, but yeah I mean I thought for us I think it was helpful because I also when when we did it we did it together because I you know I didn't want to just do it by myself I wanted to make sure that Edwin and I were both on the same page so in that sense I thought the classes were really helpful because then after we could talk about it. And at one point, um, Edwin and his mom took uh, bringing baby home in Chinese, mm -hmm. which was also really helpful. Mm -hmm. So I think they can do that for helpers that you have or if, if your partner speaks Chinese or you do. You know, it's just, it's, it's quite, quite helpful because it's showing, you know, one thing that was a little concerning is just how much misinformation there is out there about how to take care of your baby. Um, I, th I think, yeah. So I think just to make sure that you guys are on the same page, I, I did find it helpful for us. But it's, it's up to you guys. If you're doing the same research together, then maybe you don't need it. Yeah. I would say that it's not enough. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll put it in this context, right? You're going to be a new parent, and the classes you take over there is what, like three hours for one of them? For everything that they offer all up is maybe about 20 hours. How much time did you spend at university? Yeah, that's true. You know, and so I would say that as much as you can take in, do your homework and do like, you know, whatever you, you feel drawn to. I think that's really important. And I think actually that brings me to uh, your question earlier about you know, the preparation. Understand what fertility is. I didn't know. I didn't understand beyond having sex, getting pregnant, giving birth. I didn't understand how my body, like as a woman, how the different parts would change. I didn't understand. I didn't know what it even really meant to be like, you know, what does it mean to be ovulating? What does it mean to eat to support that? I didn't know any of this stuff. And so I would say, you know, explore that, learn that, learn about your body, you know, why not? Yeah. May I, may I say something? Sure. Yeah. I think that a class and the study research is very important because if you know especially in the first time, if you know what will happen following, you can have more confidence to handle mm. yourself. 
visually parapsychology, the theory is from the unknown. Mm -hmm. So you know what will happen, you know how it works, and you will have a more um, confidence and uh, with a feeling to overcome it. Mm -hmm. Yes, study, and you know. Mm -hmm. So that study is good. good. Yeah, and don't be afraid to ask as many questions mm -hmm. as possible because I know when we were, uh, after Kina was born, Edwin was amazing and he kept saying, show me again how to hold the baby, show me again how to hold the baby, all right, how do I do it? Newborn's baby's neck is very sensitive. I started from the Ferguson's team for three times. Now I know how to hold it like this. Yeah. So there's, I, I can send you some materials to read about this because it's such a big, big, big topic. You know, um, I think a lot of it is actually to do with the systems that we have in place for birth. So if you compare, for example, people that prefer to have home births or give birth in a home birth setting for low risk pregnancies, medication is almost never used. Medication, use is significantly high in hospitals, first of all because it's there and it's available, mm -hmm. um, and it's also because it's culturally very, very acceptable, and also I would even say that it's weird if you don't have a medicated birth. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was pregnant, I didn't know anybody that had a positive birth story to tell me, and when I told people that, you know, this is what I wanted to do, most of the time they were just like, oh, really? You know, like, it's, it's like kind of met with disbelief, you know? Or they have a story of like, oh, you know, like, I wasn't able to do it. And so it kind of also puts that doubt and that fear in you too, you know? And so I think there are so many different factors at play. Um, but I, I'm not sure what the numbers are for China, the figures that I quoted is for Australia, and, and you know, and I would say that probably in most Western countries, it's probably the same. Um, and those figures will probably be very different for, you know, countries that are a little bit more traditional. Yeah. So is it something you need to be like, you've got to tell the hospital, no, I don't want it, or they put it in you, or? No, so I mean, it's very, I think you have to, you know, be very clear with them if that's something that you don't want. Um, but I think a lot of the times women walk into that space. They're Yeah, being unsure themselves. You know, I, I didn't know that what it was possible. I wasn't like, you know, I'm 100% saying no to medication. I was just like, I hope to do it. Because I didn't believe that I, like, I didn't really believe that I could, you know. I, yeah. how can I help her, how can I help you, like, how can you, 
friends support. And I think ask, you know, like what what do you need from me? How can I help you? You know, do you do you need somebody? Do you want me to tell you the wonderful experiences that I've heard about? You know, and I would always maybe try to keep always keep it positive. You know, and I think when your friend starts worrying about fear and things, maybe redirect them and say, but you know, you, your body is amazing and things like that. So just be kind of more, I think, a positive influence. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think, I think also maybe just exploring what that means, right? Like, because I think sometimes it's hard to talk about it. Like someone shares like a negative experience with you and the, it, like, you know, almost immediately it's like, oh, what do I do, mm-hmm. you know? But I think maybe it's, it can also be helpful just to invite them to explore what that is. Mm-hmm. I feel like especially postpartum, it's like, okay, well, what are your fears? Where are they coming from? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you're thinking like that? And just kind of facilitating for them to have those realizations themselves of what that's like. You know, because sometimes it's like, as you talk about it, you're like, oh, wow, like, that's so irrational. Like, that, I don't, like, that came from my childhood or whatever. And when once you have an understanding of that, mm-hmm. it's like you give space for that fear to be there. And then once you're able to see it, it becomes something else. Yeah. yeah. Um, first, just thank you. Thank you for holding this space and for sharing so generously. I, I love and it's such, it's such an amazing thing to listen from women so openly um, and clearly like this huge initiation huh? mm-hmm. it's, I think I saw everyone like really being moved and, and teary, really special I wanted to know when you say labor team or something like that what does it, that actually look like how many people who are these roles <coughs> and, you know, in the room with you I think that really depends on you and what you want. You know, it's who is going to be there to support you for whatever reason, right? You know, obviously in China you would have, you know, you would definitely have an OB because, you know, it's it's a doctor-led, you know, delivery team. You would have your partner, but sometimes your partner might not be able to be there for you in so many different roles, right? So if you need additional support, I would invite you to explore what, what do you think you need? Because I think that's really subjective and everyone needs different things. Um, and then if you prefer not to have 10 medical staff in your birth space, make mm-hmm. that clear too. That's also a choice. Every single part of this process is a choice. And I really believe that, you know, we have a lot more power than we think we do sometimes, you know, so, yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll just finish with a little passage um, that I bookmarked for this. I had two, so I'm going to just see which one I want to. Facing birth, we are best served by reflecting on all the holistic factors that impact our individual situation. Then honor the process, then surrender to the unfolding mystery. Perhaps we can find 
as doula and basket weaver Gemma finds. As the elements of the basket take shape, spiraling and merging together, I am reminded that it is the process, the making, that is as sacred as any point on the journey. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.